Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this morning, <laughs> kind of a very familiar passage of scripture if you know anything about the Bible, and um, you're not really worthy of heaven and, until you truly understand and know that we deserve judgment, we deserve hell. It, it set me on a course this week of thinking about that because we live in a culture today, you know, that all the, all the parameters that the scripture sets up, that God sets up to not only protect us, but to bless us, We've, we're kind of tearing those borders and those walls down. We're kind of destroying the very foundation on which we stand many times. And it <clears throat> doesn't matter uh, what part of life we're talking about, what issue of life, be it marriage, our gender, uh, you know, what, whatever it is today, all, all the fetters seem to have been torn away and we're just, we're, we seem to be, our culture is on a self-destructive course. We're on a path. We're headed downhill. We're headed to the wrong place. What, what do we need to do about it? You don't need me to stand up here and rant and rave about all the evils going on in our society today. They're quite evident. And in fact, I get tired of thinking about them. Do you? Do you ever grow weary of just, it's just, it gets depressing if you just stop and think about everything that's wrong in the world today. So we want to we wanna think positively, but we also want to be honest with ourselves. And I think, I think our issues started way back in the garden. I think that's where it all stemmed from. And what we're seeing today is merely a product of wrong decisions and a sleepy church. And now we no longer call sin. Sin has become something else. In fact, I dare say that sin now is being celebrated in our nation. Would you agree with me on that? It's being protected, it's being excused, it's being everything under the sun but what it should be, and that's put under the blood of Jesus and repented of. It must be repented of. But we've allowed things to go on, and one of the areas, I feel like the main area that we've let the world down is that the men have become silent. I don't know if you've noticed the, the any, I watch very little TV. My wife has it on. We do watch a few shows like Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Little House on the Prairie. But the commercials don't, sadly don't come from that time frame. They're, they're commercials that are currently being made. Every one of them, almost without fail, have some type of sinful behavior that they're celebrating. They're shoving it in our face. Men dressing like women. Men acting like women. Women acting like men. I don't want to see all that. Because my Bible tells me no healthy, sane person lives that way. 
What do we do about it? We don't need to gripe and complain. We've griped and complained long enough, amen? If that's all we do, they don't hear us anymore, our griping. We need to make a difference. So we're going to take a look at the silence of a man this morning and what happens. But what can happen when men take their proper place in the family. Let's start there in the first five verses of chapter 3. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, <coughs> Excuse me. neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, that your eyes shall then be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for your word, and I thank you, God, <coughs> that your word addresses what's going on right now today in January of 2022. That, God, you had already foreseen it all, and I thank you that you've already made provision. That, God, we don't have to choose this path of death. We can choose life. So, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the promised Messiah that's way, that began, that, that promise was given to the first man and the first woman, and thank you, Lord that you have fulfilled and kept every promise you've ever given. So Lord, be with us this morning. Be with us, your bride, the church, and God, may we be the people that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just want to point out a few things this morning. Number one, I want us to see the subtlety of the serpent. You know, we forget about the devil sometimes. He is real, right? He's not this little figure. He's not running around with his horns and his fork and tail and his little pitchfork. He's not a cartoon character, is he? He's real, and he doesn't come at us in a frontal assault. He comes at us very, he's very cunning. That's what the word means. He's very crafty. He's intelligent. He knows just how to come to us. He knows just what to look like. He knows just what appeals to our fallen, depraved nature, and he knows how to ease in along, just like he did with Eve here, and he comes at her, he comes at us, all of us, man, woman, boy, girl, all alike, and he knows just how to push the button so that we will derail our life and go off the reservation and get away from God. He's very crafty about that. And the, the first thing that he does in the Word of God, he questions, did God really say that? You see, and that's our problem in our culture today. We 
base everything we do on man's opinion and on hearsay instead of what does God's word say. And I wish I could confine that to the lost world, but I can't. Because there are so many false teachers in the church today, it's, it's, it's appalling to me. There are so many preachers, so-called preachers out there today that say that Jesus was not born of a virgin. There are teachers in our seminaries that say that. Well, friends, if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, he can't be my Savior. Because if he was not born of a virgin, that means that his blood was polluted from day one and his blood cannot absolve my sins. But I beg to differ. I know Jesus was born of a virgin. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was of the seed of the woman, but he had no earthly father. Joseph was his adoptive father. And the Holy Spirit of God came upon the woman, the young virgin, who had never been with a man, and what was conceived in her was the Son of God. But you see, the devil questions every word of God, and he entices us to add to or take away from the word of God. And see, that's the next thing he does he questions the authority of the Word of God, but then he moves to misinterpreting what it does say. Because notice what he said. He said, did God say that? That you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And here's the woman's response. We can eat of it, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God has said you shall not eat of it, but now here is an, I think this is an addition, myself to the Word of God. I think this is hearsay. You understand me? See, Eve never had a conversation with God. Who had the conversation with God about it? Adam did. Adam was still by himself with God in the garden when he told him that statement. When he made that statement, Eve was not standing there. Adam was responsible. He was the gatekeeper. He was the door to life. He was the one that heard the word of God firsthand. And see, maybe Adam added to a little bit. I don't think he did. I think Eve conceived that in her own mind. She said, well, if I don't need to eat it, I don't even need to touch it which may or may not be true. We can debate that all day long. But did God say, don't touch it? He didn't. It's not recorded in Scripture. Therefore, anything that I add to or take away from the Word of God can be dangerous. Amen? That's how cults are formed. <laughs> take away a little here, add a little there, spice it up with some men's opinion, and poof, you've got your cult. You know how Jehovah's Witnesses came to be? Some man out there decided he'd had a vision from God. God told him all kind of extra biblical stuff that he didn't share with me and you through the Word of God. And here we go, we have, we've got a cult. 
What about Mormonism? I'm not knocking any of these people. I'm not their judge. God's their judge. What about Joseph Smith? Another testament of Jesus Christ? I, I don't know of any. If it's not in here between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22-21, it's of the devil. That's all there is. So we have to be careful not only where we place the Word of God in our life, we've got to be careful how we interpret the Word of God in our life. And you know who the greatest teacher in the world is? It's not Charles Spurgeon. It's not Billy Graham. It's not even me. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit of the living God. And if the Holy Ghost isn't your teacher, you need to allow Him to. Because you know what you'll do if the Holy Spirit's not your teacher? You'll believe anybody. With a slick presentation and a very charismatic demeanor. Why do all these false teachers, why, why do they get the followings they get? They're very charismatic, aren't they? How did Jim Jones get a thousand people to drink the Kool-Aid? Easily. The devil gets people to drink the Kool-Aid every day. That Kool-Aid comes in many flavors, amen? There's all kind of flavors of Kool-Aid out there. Just use your imagination. And the devil will give it to you if you'll just take the word and Scratch out a little here. Do a little editing yourself. That's what Joseph Smith did. That's what a lot of people do. Even in our fundamental circles, there's a lot of misinterpreting of the Word of God going on. So we need to be careful. But the worst thing that he did in this passage of Scripture to me was he attempted to mischaracterize God himself. Notice what he said about God. You're not going to die. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open, and what? You will be as gods, knowing good and evil. What he was saying was, God is withholding something good from you that you need to have. And God is stingy, and God is selfish. He wants all the glory for himself, and he does, amen, and he deserves it, amen. All glory and honor go to him. Without him, there is nothing. There is no life apart from him. He deserves every bit of the praise. He deserves it all. But is God selfish? No. Is God mean? No. Does God withhold any good thing from us? Have you ever asked for anything good that was according to the Word of God and God said, mm -mm, you can't have it? Never. Now, has He not let you have some things that aren't good for you? Thank God. You thank God that, that country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Well, who was that? Garth Brooks singing about some old gal that he was glad he didn't marry her. I've had those in my life. I thank God I waited. I had a few that came along before. They could have been the one, but they weren't. I got the real McCoy. And I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful that God didn't give me things I wanted when I was in my ignorance. 
when I couldn't see what was really important, when I couldn't, I, I didn't know up from down. I thought I knew it all, but I didn't know anything. And thank God, he does give me what I need. And thank God he doesn't give me what I deserve because I deserve judgment. So don't ever get to thinking God is withholding something from you that you need. If you need it, he'll give it to you. He's never failed one person. The first person he fails will be the only person, and I can tell you it ain't going to (laughs) happen. He's never failed anyone. So the old devil tried to mischaracterize God. But I want you to look at the corrupted influence of the woman. You know, why did he go to Eve instead of Adam? (laughs) Well, I mean, that is true, but now, men aren't better than women, are they? Absolutely not. Are they different than men? Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad I didn't have to marry another dude. Can you, you understand me? There's a lot of reasons why I'm glad of that. We are different, but we're of equal value in the eyes of God because we were both created in the image of God. Amen? So why did he go to the woman instead of the man? Because he wanted to strike the heart of the family. You see, in God's order, marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ and his church. We do the submitting to God, and Jesus is the what? Head of the church, and the woman is what? In the family. The man is the head of the family, spiritual head of the family. He's not the boss, he's not the... Hefe, he's not the dictator, but he is the spiritual head of the home, and the woman is what? The heart of the home. You see, my mama is the only reason I'm standing here before you today. I didn't, I didn't go wild and crazy and run off with the Jesse James gang because of my mama. I can say that with all honesty. My mama was there and she was the heart of our home. My dad was off conquering the world, building an empire. And I loved him. I loved my dad. But my mama was the heart of the home. And see, the devil knows if he can get to the heart. If he can corrupt the heart, he's got the whole body. Amen? Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Amen. Happy wife, happy life. Amen. But if he gets to the heart, he's got us. And that's what he wanted. See, Adam knew better. Amen. But Adam also did what? Thanks, Mama. I know it's going to ruin us. Thank you, honey. Man, he blew his big shot. And we've been paying for it ever since. If he'd have just said, Mama, I love you, but God said this. Put it back. Give it back to him. Throw it on the ground. Don't eat it. But he didn't. He got to the heart of the, he got to the, heart of the family. I remember old Vance Havner said this one time in one of his sermons. He said, the man is the head of the home, 
The wife is the heart of the home. And he said, we've got, the wives now are wanting to become the head of the home. And he said, where you've got two heads and no heart, you've got a monstrosity on your hands. And that's going on all over the world today. Women are trying to be the head of the home when they need to be the heart of the home. And men have just checked out. And they're a big pile of nothing sitting around on a couch. Checked out on life. They've quit their kids. They've quit their wife. They've quit everything because it's too hard. I want to challenge you guys. Speak up. Stand up. Be somebody. Your wife's not always going to agree with you. You know that, right? Because there are differences in our makeup. She does things to this day that if I wasn't so sophisticated and so mature now, they'd still get on my nerves. Like clipping her nails in my truck. <laughs> Almost flying into my coffee cup this morning. <laughs> see, I do things like that too. But see, if I'm taking my rightful place in Christ and she's taking hers, our marriage is a beautiful picture of what God wants for his church. And our marriage is not perfect, but I tell you what, we work at it every day. And we don't take each other for granted. And if the church would stop taking each other for granted and start taking up their place in the body of Christ as an individual, you'd be surprised what the whole body could aspire to. But when there's a breakdown in the chain of command, you have utter chaos. And that's exactly what's happened in, the church, in many churches in America. Everybody's wanting to be the head instead of the heart. It's not my church, it's not your church, it's his church. It's not my body, it's his body. And I'm just a little, small, tiny, minuscule part of what God wants to do. But you see, if he can get to it, we have great influence. Women have great influence, do you know that? They are the keepers of the home. They stand behind their men and you know what the man wants out of his wife more than anything? Not the physical intimacy, and that's great. You know what a man wants most from his wife? He wants her respect. And if he doesn't feel like he has her respect, he doesn't have anything. We need to respect our bridegroom the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to put Him back number one. We need to give Him first place in our lives. That's where Eve went wrong. She used her influence instead of confirming what her husband had said, she used her influence to influence her husband to do something she knew was against the will of God, and he did too. So neither one of them have an excuse, right? We can either use our influence in the church for good or we can use it for evil. 
Matthew 12, 30 says, if you're not with me, you're scattering abroad. You know what that tells me? There are no inactive church members. I'm either actively drawing people to Christ or I'm actively running them off. But I can't be in this la-la land where I'm doing nothing. I'm innocent. We're not innocent. And we're not indifferent. We're either actively bringing them to him or we're driving him away, but we can't be both. So use your influence, church, for something good. And the last thing about the woman, wisdom without illumination is the motive for all false religions. Every false religion came from this encounter in the garden with Eve. Every one of them. <coughs> she, used, she, she was wise. Eve was smart. I believe Adam and Eve were the smartest man and woman that's ever lived on the face of this planet. Why? They were created perfectly. They lived in a perfect environment. There was no old age. There was no senality. There was no this. There was no that. They were perfect. She was wise. Adam was wise. But what did their wisdom do for them without the illumination of the Spirit of God on their life? They sinned anyway. They took things into the, they took matters into their own hand and they became fools. So that's the corrupted influence of the woman. Now let's look at the silence of the man real quick because we've already been talking about him. What happened because of his silence? Man, the last part of verse, uh, was it six? Yeah. When it, she took of the fruit and ate, and it says, she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. He was standing right... You know, we get this picture when I was a, a young believer. I, I just had this picture in my mind. He was off out yonder doing something else. That's what most men do, right? We go to the barber shop. We go to the shop. We go to the field. No, he was right there with her. She didn't have to go anywhere. She literally have some, honey. Now was this big opportunity, and he said nothing. And you know what happened by his silence? Their innocence was lost forever. Verse 7 says, Their eyes were both open, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Oh boy, it's over. Innocence lost. And that innocence, once it's lost, it's lost forever, right? You can't go back. Something else that was lost, and that's their fellowship with God. It was broken. Severed. Because look at verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. I don't know what Adam thought he was doing. God sees us, right? Why did he hide? He was ashamed. He felt guilt. Guilt and shame will drive you, drive you away, won't it? Their fellowship was brought. There was a time before the fall 
Adam looked forward every day, I'm sure, to God coming into the garden and walking. I can see him like a father and son, hand in hand, walking in the garden. God, Adam knew the presence of the Lord, and now he's hiding from him. He's ashamed. It's been broken. And it's going to take something powerful. It's going to take something awful and terrible to happen to make that right. And then it sets us on a crash course human history with the cross of Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. So there he is. His innocence is lost. His fellowship with God has been broken. And also... It severs our relationships with one another. Guess what the curse brought on? You know it, right? He told the woman, you're going to have trouble during childbearing. You're going to want to rule over your husband. Young man, you're going to have trouble now. You've got to go out. You're not just going to tend to the garden and it's going to be a pleasant thing. Now the earth is cursed because of you. It's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. You're going to have to get it by the sweat of your face. You're going to dig in the earth. It's going to be hard. And the devil, guess what? The devil's going to be against you all of your days. And you're going to be in a constant conflict with the devil your own flesh, and the world from now on. So that's a lot of stuff to happen, isn't it? That's a lot to take in. But I just want to leave you with this thought. The birth of sin does bring a curse. But thank God the Lord already had the cure in mind even before they left the garden. Look down there at verse 15 with me. Said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And what's that a prophecy of? That's a prophecy of Jesus coming, the Messiah. He's promised. He's already been provided for even before the fall the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from what? The foundation of the world. This didn't catch God by surprise. He knew it was going to happen and yet he made us anyway and he already had a cure provided for the curse. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the shed blood. Thank God that he gives us promises of a great salvation. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have anything. And you know, verse, verses 22 through 24, the last of the chapter, used to be very sad to me, but they're not anymore. I think this is all part of God's provision for us, and that's the way I look at it now. Let's read it. It says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden 
to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. One of these days we're going to eat of the tree of life. When we've been restored to him, once we've been taken to the new Jerusalem, once we stand in the presence of God, that tree of life will be there for us, but it wasn't supposed to be yet. You see, God doesn't keep any good thing from us, but what he does is say, wait a little while, amen? And the best is worth waiting for. We've all been cursed by sin. I'm getting older, you're getting older. Our teeth fall out, our hair falls out. Men get chest of drawers disease where their their chest falls down into their drawers. All those things. but the best is yet to come. And even though we've got the curse upon us now, ultimately the curse has already been taken care of because Jesus is the cure. And you know what the cure to our social ills ills are? Jesus. It's real simple. We like to make rocket science out of it, but we don't have to. You know what the world needs more than anything? They just need a a relationship with Jesus. And you know what I've found? Does the world run from him? Absolutely. Do they hide from him? Yes. But deep down inside, when you catch them in a moment of weakness, they know their greatest need is Jesus. Just be ready with him when that moment comes in people's lives and see what happens. We like to think nobody's getting saved anymore in our society. That's not true. I went down to Homa, Louisiana last week, um, week before last, the week between Christmas and New Year's with Samaritan's Purse. We were working in a neighborhood that was 100% black, very poor, drug deals going on. Drunk people walking down the street, but five people got saved that week. It's hard. It's not easy. It's rough. But don't tell me Jesus is not still in the saving business because he is. The curse is evident. We don't need to just curse the darkness. We need to turn on the light and just let the world see him. He is the answer.